Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear the story of someone strong enough to bear it all. The Naked Podcaster is a representation of freeing yourself, giving you permission to be real in all your quirkiness, baggage, struggles to success, and tragedy to triumph. I'm so excited you're joining the journey. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Hello and welcome to the Naked Podcaster. This is Jen Taylor. Today I'm here with Joe Blakely. Joe? We're pre-gaming, so I mean, we pre-game, so we're doing really well, but how are you doing? I'm doing really great. How are you? I'm so excited because I'm on, I've been on your website, Coherent There, and everything will be in show notes, but what a cool thing. Tell us about what, what is this and why? So I started the business, um, a little bit in a bit of depression. Um, I had uh, I had been a fashion designer before, left the industry for a while, and started this because um, I wanted to create clothing for um, digital nomads. I was, uh, while I was depressed, I was self-soothing by going on to Airbnb and looking at all these beautiful places in Bali and like mostly Bali, to be honest with you, but all over. And and they were so affordable and so beautiful. And I thought, wow, like this is a this is what I would like. And I, I just hadn't had an opportunity to travel in a while because I had spent quite a good long period of time um, in poverty, actually. And uh, I kind of joke that I started at the top and I worked my way down because my first job was with Pierre Cardin as his assistant in Paris. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and then, and then, and I, and I got paid very well and everything. And then I just sort of, I, things just took turns because I wasn't able to stay there. And so this, when I decided I wanted to become a digital nomad, this was something that I, so I had looked into why, um, how people can travel uh, nonstop, basically, and and never have a permanent residence and you know because doing both can be very difficult if you want to travel a lot (laughs) so giving up uh, a permanent residence and not being a hobo exactly but because um, uh, digital technology allows you to um, these days travel anywhere and work anywhere in the world and and all of what I do I do digitally I don't I don't need to have an office. I don't need. Uh, I don't need anything really other than my laptop and Wi-Fi to to do this brand. And so the, the I realized that I could I could also live this life. And immediately I started thinking, well, what would I wear and what would I pack? <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was designing a collection and. I thought, okay, I can make this work. Like, I can really make this work. And I started looking at um, a variety of different places for suppliers. And right now, I work with print on demand and I do drop shipping. So I don't have to carry inventory. I don't have, it costs me next to nothing. But my, you know, my special sauce, my special thing that I bring is, uh, 
couture sensibility. I mean, that's what I studied. I'd studied haute couture in Paris and, uh, and just a ton of experience in fashion design. And I can bring that to, um, like I wanted to, so I'm very environmentally friendly. I, I, I refused to drive a car, you know, back when I was 15 years old and we're going back like 40 plus years now. So I was on the environmental thing and I, I had integrity about it a long, long time ago. And, you know, I, for me, you know, nobody, everybody laughed at me back then, you know, nobody took it seriously. And even now, even today, so many years later, it's still hard. But if I was going to do a, anything, I wanted it to be as environmentally friendly as possible. So, one of the things that I really like about it is that it is slow fashion. It is made on demand and it means that there's no excess waste. It's only what is being used is getting produced. And I was so excited when I read your stuff because I'm a minimalist and I'm very familiar with the capsule wardrobe. And when you want to travel more, like our dream is to renovate an RV and live in it full time. And so in order, well, I, know, I know, I <laughs> know. You're I'm my like, customer. I'm like, we need to hug. <laughs> but I mean, for people who want to be more, whether we minimized because of stress, things were so stressful. And I just, it was all the stuff that we had that was stressing me out. Whether you start your minimalism or capsule wardrobe journey because you read Maria Marie Kondo or I did. I did. I did. Did you? <laughs> I did. And honestly, she really did have an impact on me too, you know, because I used to be quite a bit of a hoarder and I, it was weighing me down. It really is just stuff and you're just not as flexible and as adaptable really. Oh yeah. I had over a hundred pairs of shoes. So oh like, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not embarrassed because it's part of the journey, you know, it's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. Su- so surprising, but my, my intention wasn't the digital footprint or to be more mindful. That is a really good side effect. And yours was the opposite. You started off with a digital footprint, but stress was in there too. So I know it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's it, the whole thing, you know, it was really interesting about, I guess, a year, year and a half before I started the business, before I discovered this whole digital nomad world, before I discovered uh, any of it, really. Um, I mean, I had done a bunch of different things, but I, I didn't put pieces together and I just, I didn't know anything about this market. And I had, um, you know, I've been through a lot my whole life and it's been very difficult. And I kind of felt like I, you know, kept on digging deeper and deeper, you know, I would just keep digging deeper and finding new resources, but I was getting tired. And this, what I was digging started to look very much like a grave that I should just sort of lie down in and, you know, give up. And I I remember there was one day, um, a couple of years ago now, I think almost three years ago now, that I come the closest I've ever come to, to committing suicide. And I no longer trusted myself on the subway platform. And that was a scary thing to 
realize, because that's the first time I ever felt that force that that wanted me dead <laughs> in a way, you know, was greater than the force that wanted me alive. And but I fought through that man and it felt like, like a literal force. Like it just felt, you know, if I could imagine what I looked like, I, you know, as I was going through it at the subway station, I felt like, um, you know, when you, you see pictures of um, people going into wind and their, their skin pushed back from the wind and everything and flapping or whatever, it, that's how much of a force it felt like pushing through and you know I felt like I just just dug deep a little one more time and then I found this treasure <laughs> I had been digging for a treasure the whole time and it was like as I was self-soothing to overcome and deal with it to just find a way to deal with it I um I was going on Airbnb. I was naturally guided, you know, like I, and, and to, to healing myself, you know, and I think that that's something that has um, sort of been my whole life a little bit in, in that I've always felt really well guided into um, being healed and, and whatever I have had to face has been, um, rewarded really by like as long as I push through push through dig dug deeper hung in there believed a little stronger you know it, it isn't I have to say like it's it's not always easy and there's moments where years where things were rough so you know, I have a lot of compassion for people who um, who things don't turn around for, you know, and and it's not them, you know. I don't think that it's them or their energy. Like the world is really hard, and for me, I mean, I have so much going for me in terms of skills and experiences and, and, and I have a lot of privilege and a lot of, um, ability to, um, just to look a lot of talent and skills and, uh, and it was hard for me <laughs> and until, you know what I mean? Like, and it was hard for me. So I can only imagine what it is like for somebody else. Yeah. Let's go back further. I know that this was a, this was kind of the culmination, the the last drop in the bucket before launching this really incredible company. Um, that I totally need to stay off of your website. <laughs> but let's go back because you said you studied in Paris. You were with Pierre Cardin. Yes. You were you were um, you were in Paris in your late twenties and thirties. And in my early 20s early 20s sorry take, yeah, early, take us back yeah, then early yeah okay so that was amazing um the problem was you know back then it was a long time ago there was no internet I had no way of finding out um how to get working papers there and and being from Canada it it wasn't as easy as if I had been from the EU and 
it was so frustrating because I would go around to all these designer houses for internships and they all wanted to hire me. Like every single one wanted to hire me. Like at Dior, they wanted to hire me at like every single place I walked in the door, they wanted to hire me on the spot. And they all asked me, you know, do you have your papers? <laughs> and it's like, I didn't have my papers. And, um, for whatever reason, um, Pierre Cardo, um, did it. He was actually, uh, one of the, if not the best paying, um, internship in Paris. And, generally like another person that worked there also graduated top of the class in at the school that I went to and I also graduated top of the class and so like he just sort of took the creme de la creme a little bit of of the school unfortunately you know interns are a dime a dozen and there's always new coming out and trying to get your permanent visa to stay there just didn't happen and so I came back and worked in a few places in um, uh, in Canada and and also in in Paris a little bit, um, but eventually it just wasn't enough, and I couldn't afford to stay there anymore. And I had, and uh, worked for a few different places, uh, private label and so on, um, but had experienced um, quite a bit of sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, and, you know, as I learned to stand up for myself, it turned more to workplace bullying and harassment and to the point that I had, um, you know, a number of workplace assaults. I just couldn't, I kept on trying to leave the business and, you know, when it's your only experience, it's quite difficult. And especially when it's something that you love and, you know, um, one of the things, uh, you know, I, I did find work with uh, with a, a woman designer, and that worked out really well. Uh, but I, I think in the process of moving from place to place, from Montreal to back to Toronto and so on, um, I'm from Toronto <laughs> in Canada and uh, uh, just from moving from place to place and lifting a box of records, I think I put my back out and I ended up uh, disabled in bed for three years. That is crazy to me when you say three years. I mean, yeah, I, it's in that's, pain. That is crazy. You actually had a couple surgeries too, didn't you? I did. I had two surgeries and um, I still have a permanent dead spot in my leg. I did lose feeling in my leg for like along the sciatic nerve and it was the whole leg at one point. And I remember the first time trying to shave my leg afterwards and it was like, oh my God, I gouged right in because I couldn't feel it. So it's very, I could still walk because you have other legs and nerves but I still had I had to learn to walk again and I had to learn to walk again twice after each surgery after each time I had to like you know was hospitalized at first I was hospitalized for like three months which was insane um and you know like there was a lot of issues when it came to the medical profession and their diagnosing me and their treatment of me um which was really bad <laughs> but um you know misdiagnosis not taking seriously dismissing until it got worse 
And uh, so, you know, it got really bad to the point where I couldn't even move millimeters. I couldn't even go to the bathroom. I couldn't shower by myself. I couldn't do anything. Um, and so I was in the hospital for quite a, quite a time until I did have surgery and then had, you know, the physiotherapy as well. But um, I didn't really get the treatment that I needed until much later. And one of the things that... Um, really helped me. Um, and it still does, to be honest with you, it helps me with mental health and it helps me with physical health is laughter. Um, I, you know, what I did start, um, being disabled, I, you know, you start to despair and you start to think like, is this going to be my life? Is it going to be like this all the time? And I'm not a quitter. <laughs> I really am a fighter. And I had to find a way because I had, you know, fashion was what I'd always wanted to do. And I had been doing it at a high level. And, you know, now what I was I going to do because I was in bed, you know, and I had to find a way to be happy. Even in the current situation that I was in, I had to find a way through. In, and while still remaining possibly in that situation forever. And that, that's a the, really crazy part of it too. You had no end in sight to the pain and no. the disability. No. Okay. Okay. No. No. And, and I was told I, you know, I wouldn't dance and I wouldn't scuba and I wouldn't, you know, like I'd walk, but there was a lot that would be never for me kind of thing. Um, and I'm just like, I, I don't, they didn't listen to me before. <laughs> I don't, I just don't, like, I don't, like, I, they know what they think they know, but I don't think they know as much as they presume to know. <laughs> and they no. certainly don't know me. <laughs> and, and, you know, I had, um, so here's the thing. I had a nanny growing up who I am still very close to. And she's French Canadian also in fashion. We've had these really weird connections, like where we've literally bumped into each other in Paris and we've literally bumped into each other in Montreal and yeah, like crazy. So, and we're still connected. Like she was my first customer. <laughs> so like we're still connected. And while I was disabled, um, I had known because when I bumped into her in Paris, I had learned of like we caught up and she had had um, ovarian cancer, fourth stage ovarian cancer. And she was really young. You know, she was in her early thirties, I guess, like really early thirties. And she had always envisioned herself having a child. Like she never didn't, not imagine herself having a child and everybody wanted to take out her uterus like everybody and she just thought no like that isn't that isn't what she saw and she learned and this I know this isn't for everybody and I don't want to get into but this is a truth and it is what happened for her and she did creative visualization where she imagined this little guy going into her body and scooping out the cancer. And every day she would meditate. And one day she couldn't, it didn't work. Like she just couldn't get it to work. 
So she wasn't sure. And so she gave it a little bit of time and it came back. She also did macrobiotic diet as well at the time and, and de-stressed her life. <laughs> and um, the tests came back clear. Like they, she had no more cancer left. And she went on to have a child and she's still doing very well. She's had no remission. Um, so I had my own disability going into it, knowing what she had gone through and what she had healed from just by her mindset in many ways and her, the work that she did in meditation as well and focus and, um, and I just believed that I could do similarly and I used different methods, but they worked, you know, they worked. And, uh, for me, it was, uh, writing. I went, I, you know, I had, there's this book called what color is my parachute. It's a classic. Um, and the book is, uh, really all about, you know, finding your thing, finding what you're really here for. And, uh, there's exercises in it that were really life-changing for me. And I really recommend them to anybody at all. Like really, you get to know, you get to know yourself a little bit better. You get to know um, the kinds of skills and it, it opens opportunities rather than limits you. And I remembered all the things that I loved to do, which was writing, cooking, some were easier to do from bed than others, <laughs> you know? And so I started writing again. And at the time, you know, it was a few things. I started writing a, a Harlequin, um, kind of a little bit raunchy romance because <laughs> you got to have some fun when you're stuck in bed. <laughs> right. Okay. So you're still, you're on disability and you're in pain and you're trying to find medium. So you read this book. I love that you started writing romance novels. I think it's just awesome. <laughs> So yeah. tell me, tell me more about that because I'm just imagining you like, well, I'm stuck in bed, so I might as well write about sex. Yeah, kind of. Like, I mean, I'm a romantic, right? So you have time to fantasize, you know, like you do. You have plenty of time to fantasize. You have plenty of time to imagine something different when it can be different and live a different life in your head you know, and, and that is almost as good. It really is like in many, many ways, you know, if you've got a really good imagination, <laughs> it's very soothing and, and it's very healing and it gives you an outlet. And this is, I think a lot of writers do this in many ways. We're all kind of solitary beings and, um, and, and very, um, sensitive people. So we, t we tend to uh, kind of go inwards a little bit and be thinkers a little bit. And, and it was a really good time for me, really, in, in, in an odd sort of way, because I think of it as my hermetic period. It was a time for me to really... Oh, there were so many things that I learned in that time, like so many things. Um, I learned my own resiliency, my own strength. 
Um, cause I did start to heal, like just as I was laughing and writing, cause I was just cracking myself up, <laughs> you know, I started to heal and just having that joy run through you. It's an energy that it's like, it, I don't know, maybe it just like sort of repolarizes all your electrons in your body and something, but whatever it is, it, um, it recharges you with an energy that, it's amazing that you can self-generate that, you know, like it's amazing that you can self-generate that kind of energy by doing, by, by, um, by just caring for yourself, really. So you laughed yourself into being healthy, basically. That and physiotherapy. Let's not discount the physiotherapy. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. There's that too. There, there are studies just on smiling. And when we had a, we went to a graduation ceremony a year and a half ago, and the girl in the high school graduating class was, she was voted um, best smile or most smile. And she got up and gave a talk and she said, it's so amazing because my freshman year I had a suicide attempt. And when it was unsuccessful, I decided I'd fake it till I make it. And I started smiling and she didn't at that point understand the science behind it. And, you know, three and a half ish years later, she's voted like one of the happiest, most smiling people. And by then she had understood the science behind it. And so like, I'm not making fun of it or discounting it. It is like proven science that literally you wrote about sex. I think that's important to point out too. (laughs) And and physiotherapy. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean like between writing about doing something passionate, writing and writing about, and writing about something that makes you happy, sex. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's fantastic. So the, did tell me about the pain? The pain got less. It was better. You started mobility was better. Yeah. I mean, I got into a chronic pain clinic, which for the most part getting like really quality physiotherapy was a big part of that too. Um, but it was also, um, having this outlet that gave me such joy, gave me hope and giving me hope is, is, I mean, you know, that's a powerful thing. Um, and among other things that I learned in that time, um, was, I guess, I mean, I wasn't a spiritual person then before then. And I, I, I had, I started having these out of body, an out of body experience, which I didn't care for, but it made me think about you know, what is consciousness? What, what am I? Who am I? Um, and it made me think about um, all of these things in a different way than I had before. And over time, it, it you know, it, it proved, you know, as I started thinking about these things, it proved really fruitful in my life. You know, like I... Um, I've had amazing spiritual experiences as well. Like it's, I've had incredible lows and incredible highs. Like it's been insane, like really, really very up and down and very intense. So don't you think that with energy work and 
metaphysics and spirituality and God and Yoda and like with all of the different modalities, there's something in everything I feel like. And I don't have the answers. It's all one. It's all the same. It's all like, honestly, it comes down to very little. Like it's a very simple thing to be honest with you at the end of the day. It's just, and this is something that I'm absolutely obsessed with understanding, like this whole theory of everything. That's what my podcast is about. I have a podcast because I'm obsessed with physics and quantum mechanics. And I do think that there are, um, that there is something absolutely, um, like there's a symmetry. There's, there's, there, it's all the same thing. We're all systems. We are just, um, more complex now and we don't really perceive ourselves as um, as truthfully as we really are like we don't really see what we really are very well so I get really into that weeds on my podcast <laughs> and it's really hard to explain in a soundbite that's why I did the podcast because these experiences are not something that I can talk about in a short period of time right at all exactly yes I have an energy worker and I never thought I would and she is she's got her um, master's or her PhD in physics and so yeah I know somebody else that has that too actually it's amazing it is amazing because she could just give me the answer to my question in a science Uh, in a way that I understood it scientifically. So my logical brain was appeased and then I could just relax and do energy work. Right. Right. Like I wasn't all caught up on the, like this is a bunch of bullshit and it's never going to work. Yeah. I could let go of that because I understood it scientifically. Yes. I love it. Suspension of disbelief, you know, you were, were, yeah, exactly. So you, you've had a lot of experiences enough that you have your own podcast on it, but what happened when you you slowly got out of pain and back into not being in bed writing sex books, which is kind of a shame, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well. I so I um, I started. I went back in the fashion business, um, which did not go well for me. Um, sexually harassed in the workplace and um, developed PTSD. Uh, and then after a particularly bad spell, I left fashion completely um, and started my own business because uh, I had money from, uh, not a lot of money, but I had a little bit of money from the legal issues involved there. And um, I, I started my own um, graphic design and branding company. So I did logos, branding, marketing for others and did that for about 10 years and was quite successful with it until the recession and then nobody's starting businesses. So nobody needs logos and new branding. (laughs) So that was, um, you know, it was, it was great. It was nice. And it certainly gave me a ton of skills to use, uh, in uh in my own business and doing my own my own stuff and and while that was going on i also started um uh writing and illustrating children's books <laughs> and i've had i've illustrated five children's books for educational publishers i've not had my own stories published yet uh 
I don't know if, uh, I don't know. I have to send them out again. I get, I'm, I'm very, very bad about sending my work out very bad. And, and I, I, I do love it. I do believe in it. So I really ought to, I'm always moving on to the next thing. Oh, okay. So you're the architect, the thinker, the dreamer. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I love it. Whatever that is, that's what I am. I'm not that person. I, uh, I mean, I would love to be that person. We're all different. So I think I, I think I recognize it because, um, that's the opposite of me. And so I'm, I'm always so like excited for you. So you're trying, you have illustrated other people's books and you have books that have been written that haven't been published. That's a, that's a far cry from romance novels. But. Yes, I have. Yes, yes. So I have. I have children's books. I have a YA novel, a YA Arthurian time travel novel. Because I'm also, as a child, and for a long time, I was obsessed with Arthurian literature. I have my obsessions, you know. Like yes. Japan is an obsession. Like I, 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 when I go into something, I, I go deep, and I like to learn absolutely everything I can about something. So I'm very. Um, I don't know. I just, there's too many things that interest me. That's the problem. That's a great or problem to have. Or maybe it's a solution. <laughs> maybe it's yeah. a solution too. <laughs> so you went back into fashion. I want to applaud you um, for, because I know if you had a settlement from a legal situation that that meant you actually, you followed through on the sexual harassment in the work. Yes. Yes. I was, so, you know what? I was an early, early, early whistleblower. Like, early whistleblower and I in fact in various like I also I remember one time I was a creative director at a company and uh one of the workers in the in uh left their pay stub on my desk I didn't know who left it on my desk but they left it on my desk and they must have known the kind of person that I was and they knew that I would do something about it and um the women were getting paid much less than the men for the same work. Yeah. And, and I took it to my employers. I said, this isn't okay. You know, and I, I did what I could, you know, like I honestly don't know if I was able to make any change, but I did, um, I did make a stink about it. <laughs> so, you know, like I've, I've always been that person that, um, that, I have a mouth on me. I speak up. I say something. So, you know, I've broken up, I think, four fights now with men. Wow. Like men fighting other men. I think I've broken up four fights now. Okay, and, so and, just like, and two of those times, the men have thanked, two of the men have thanked me afterwards. Like, truly thanked me. You need to write these things down, like, <laughs> on, like, a, a list of future job potential. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's got to, there's got to be a listing for this. No, it, it would be like conflict resolution manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. good for you, especially in, at a time or place or both where people weren't speaking up, but that is great. So you had, you had the digital. Wait, I paid the price. I paid the price in poverty, just so you know. Yeah. Oh, I, I paid yes. the price. And, and it's been extremely hard for me. And I think that, you know, employers know, like the last employer knew that or thought 
that they had me over a barrel, you know, and that they could take advantage of me. And, and I don't know if you're, if you're like this, but I know like for me, like there's some people who are, they're steady workers, you know, like they'll, they'll go at a steady, but slower pace. I am a sprinter. So like, they're like marathon runners, you know, or joggers or whatever, you know, like they're super steady. That's not how I work. I work in short, super intense, extremely productive bursts. And then I need to relax and, and recover, you know, and it's like breathing out and breathing in. And what happens in a workplace is you're not given that opportunity to restore yourself. It's only work, 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 work. And, and for me, I ended up, um, overworking and I had a breakdown and that on top of the PTSD and feeling very trapped, um, from my poverty and everything. Um, I just, I, I lost it. I just, I was, I became extremely suicidal and that's what sort of led me to this, um, that dark place that I mentioned before, you know, where I just, I was it. I was done. I, I couldn't anymore. And yet, and yet just, I fought through just a little tiny bit more. And, and then I started this, which every single day I get so excited to work on. Like, I can't even tell you how much fun it is. Like I love doing what I do and I really believe in the brand. I really love that I am you know, it's going to take time. Like it takes time to build it, but I really think that I'm bringing value and, uh, and great style. Um, and, and yeah, so I'm really proud of what I'm doing now. It's, it's exciting to, to be able to, um, you know, get up in the morning and, and do what I love. Well, you fought through, working in a really tough industry in the fashion industry in Paris, no less at mm. top level. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then having all, I mean, I can imagine that the sexual harassment, especially what years are we talking about? Back oh my God. I know. Cause so you and 80, I are not. Yeah. From 83 to like 95. Right. So Plus. this life was a lot different back then. <laughs> Yeah. And so not that that is an excuse, but we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, we didn't have all of that. Yeah. It was really a lot more difficult. You were alone. Yeah. And, and nobody believed you like absolutely nobody believed you even like, I mean, it was hard, even my own family. So it was, I mean, it destroyed everything for me for a time. It was, it was bad. It was really bad. I had nobody. Um, and you, you know, couldn't just reach the way out you, like via social media, you couldn't reach out, you can no, reach out. There was nothing no, like that. And nothing, nothing. I think you were, and alone. I had no, I was, I, yeah. and there wasn't even therapy for you, you know, like, cause therapy isn't funded like this type of thing, you know, it's, oh, yeah. um, you know, it, it wasn't depression and it wasn't anxiety and it was something different than that. And that's just you know, unless you're a vet, you don't get PTSD coverage. Um, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, tell me about the, well, has there ever been a diagnosis of the PTSD and the depression? Can you t- take me through kind yes. of that process? Yes, 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 yes. Please, please. Well, so I, I mean, 
I was officially diagnosed with PTSD after my, like this, when I was suicidal, when I was in crisis and, and I checked myself in at that time to mental health hospital, um, in, in, into their crisis center in order to, uh, get better, <laughs> you know, and, um, and that was an outpatient basis. Okay. And, and I had a social worker that was amazing and, and she really gave me, um, a lot of tools just to help me get through and carry on afterwards. I had a number of problems to be honest. I mean, as, as, as much as I say that it was like the system, um, does not work well. <laughs> And, and it fights you all the way. And when you have PTSD, the last thing you really want to be doing is fighting anything if you want to heal. <laughs> so um, it's been a challenge that I'm only now getting to the end of, really. And the fight is almost, but not quite over. <laughs> And, and I can, and hopefully I can really start to, um, just move on and, and, and live as my life as best as I can and make the most of it. You know, I'm not the kind of person that's going to sit around. Like one of the great things about our social system, at least here in Canada is, um, I can be on disability and, and get support and also try and be, um, self-sustaining and and keep a fair amount of that as well so um it's it's allowing me to not end up homeless really so it's great and for a time also prior like before i i was able to um get the social like more social assistance and then before i had insurance because i i got insurance for my disability from the workplace um, like workplace insurance. Um, but, uh, before that I was also getting charity from a charitable organization just so I would not end up, you know, in a shelter or homeless. And, and I had been homeless before, like I went homeless, you know, I put that in quotes because I wasn't on the street. I was on my mother's sofa, but you know, it was at the age of 36 and, um, and she didn't really want me there and we had, we were having issues and, and it was, it was a, at the time we, we've done a lot of work together, my mom and I, but, um, at the time it was a toxic situation and, and, you know, really not good for me. Not really good for either of us, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, Sometimes it's great that you have something to fall back on, but it's not necessarily a good option. No, no, exactly. I mean, this is the problem. This is why women stay trapped in relationships, you know, and this is why, you know, poverty and having this inequality is, it keeps um, people and women trapped. It's, it's, it's a form of slavery because you cannot free yourself because of financial, um, uh, financial abuse, really. Yeah, right. So I want to I want to go through the things that really helped you a lot because you had so so many things going on. You had the disability and the severe pain. What let me ask you about managing the pain. Did you was there a struggle with any cuz here in the US, you're in Toronto. I don't know. Yes. I know 
Okay. So here in the U.S., they like to prescribe narcotics that you then get addicted on that turn into all kinds of horrible problems. Um, right. And that's unfortunate for people who need pain management, but the outcome's not what they want. Um, right. So, so how did, did you manage? Yeah. So there's a few things. Now, you know, it was really hard because when you're not moving, you're not burning energy, so you don't get really tired. So, you know, one of the things that I needed just in order to heal, because you have to sleep, is sleeping pills. So I was taking sleeping pills, but they were a special kind that were not addictive. So I was taking that. Um, I was taking an anti-inflammatory, which was supposed to help. I didn't find that it did. Um, and then I was taking... Um, I was taking like a, like a type of Percocet, like a, if there were, I was taking a narcotic. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was, to be honest with you, but it was a narcotic. Um, and I would take it for a, when I needed to. Um, for a time, I took it fairly regularly when it was bad. I, I am a strong believer in taking what you need to manage your pain but I also am a strong believer in learning how to also mentally manage your pain. And they gave me at the hospital at the, I can't remember. I think, I think it was post-surgery. One of the things that they did was they gave me this tape and he's, he's online. You can find it at elibay.com. It's E-L-I-B-A-Y.com. And he has these tapes, these relaxation tapes and he doesn't have the one that I used at the time, which I really liked because, um, so it's like a type of focused relaxation. And, and I learned to be, I learned to be extremely good at managing my muscles in my body through like mentally. And like, I can actually just by thinking I can stop the hiccups and I can teach anybody how to stop the hiccups just by thinking about it. That's <laughs> so awesome. So, and I can, I've learned how to like relax parts of my body just by awareness and attention somewhat. It's not perfect. Pain is one of those things. It's got a memory, you know, it's, it's, it, it sticks in your body, but it's not real. And, and some of it we have to, um, it's like learning how to make it dissipate, you know, it's not going to go away right away, but you can make it less dense, the pain. You can make it less sharp. You can, you can start to, um, you know, if I could give it a sort of analogy, like open, open up the spaces so that it's just not as strong anymore. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I, I learned how to do, to do that. But I also, for a time, I took medication. But I have to say, I really started getting better when I decided to stop all the medication. Like I just yeah. got rid of all of it, every single bit of it. I was smoking weed though. So, and I still smoke weed, but, um, it's legal here. Yay. It's legal here too. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it is um, now. Yeah. And, and so I, I mean, I, I've, I've always used that off and on, um, for various reasons. Um, but I gave up everything else and, and I really started getting better. Like, I don't think any of it was actually really helping me get better. It was just keeping me 
more than anything, it seemed in a stasis. Yeah. I don't, so, that's kind of, that was kind of my question. Yeah. That's what I was yeah, yeah. wondering because it's so hard when you're given things that are supposed to make it better, but they don't, or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's, that's a really tough thing um, when they make it worse. So mm-hmm. I was curious about that. Mm-hmm. And then I want to talk about the things that, like, I love the thought, that, the fact that you brought up this book, What Color Is My Parachute, and how helpful that was. Um, and Great book. Yeah. Classic, and then there's... Classic. The, and then you brought up laughter. So you brought up a mm-hmm. book and you brought up laughter, which are two things that I think what great skills to have to help get through something. Um, finding your passions, including writing, which is another mm-hmm. art. I mean, if you are fashion it design, is. yeah, it's, it's another modality. That's a great mm-hmm. thing when you find kind of your grouping. Um, Cause I don't, I'm not like not artistic at all. I can't draw a thing. And so I couldn't draw anything fashion, but I can write and I like pictures and I, you know, so that there's different things within being artistic that, you, that I love and other things. It's that all I different forms of expression, exactly. you know, it's, it's and, it, and the key is to, you know, I think the secret is to try and be as authentic as possible, but you know, in the process, sometimes you look at other things and you work it out and so on. And when you say you can't draw, I don't believe it. Just so you know, <laughs> I don't believe it. I believe everybody can. It's just that we give up too quickly. The thing, the difference between artists and not artists and people who, you know, who have developed some form of skill with it is that they persist even when they suck. Well, let's put it this way. I like it when things come a little easier to me. I took, yeah. I took it. And so, and I like to do them really well. And when I don't, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that can be someone else's thing. I don't want to <laughs> try that hard at that. I, I took an art class my freshman year of college and at the end of it, and this is a terrible thing retrospectively, like this is terrible. The art teacher said, I'll pass you with a C if you never take another one of my classes. I know, I know that's a whole other thing. We could go down a massive rabbit hole with that. But basically when someone, when you're trying something you've never tried before and you really are struggling with it, if someone discourages you from that, like I had no desire to ever take another class of hers again. Yeah. Like, cool. I'm cool with that. It is. But on the same front, I really, there are other things that I've done that come more easily to me and I enjoy right. that more. So it also right. wasn't a bad thing either, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, found- you tend to, you tend to do it anyway. Like to, to be honest with you, like if you were really like doing it, um, you would just still do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? I wouldn't care what she said. Yeah. And another yeah. thing you did was when you got insurance, I mean, when you got not insurance, I apologize. When you had the lawsuit that settled, you took Mm -hmm. that money and put it right back into yourself, into another form of art. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the only reason that- I'm always reinvesting in myself. Yes. Always. Like I really am. Like whether it's learning something new, whether it's trying something out, you know, whether it's, um, you know, I'm always, always- I never stop and I have to do like two, three, four things at once. Like I just, (laughs) I can't make it easy for myself. (laughs) I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's where you really shine. That's where you're in your element and you've chosen things that are always some sort of artistic creativity 
sort of, which is amazing. And that company could have kept going strong if it hadn't been for the recession, which hit all of us horribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now, and then in that depression, when you're at your worst moment su- with the suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. and I love that you use the word self-soothing and you were looking at images of Bali and thinking, of, oh, like, I'm right there with you. I'm happy to, like, go. I'll be your plus one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm in. Sure I am also always. a digital nomad. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so we just need laptops and Wi-Fi. But you yes. took something. And, you know, for me, although I haven't been at that same point, for me, what I do, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's inspiration or motivation, but because we have a goal and, we've, and we needed to wait until we had more kids out of the house. And there's, there were lots of reasons why. So mm-hmm. we had this goal to renovate an RV and live in it and downsize. It's so cool. It's so like, fun, right? I don't drive. Otherwise, that would be what I'm mine too. Well, you could be in my RV, but that, that's okay. your plus one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about finding people that do things better and having them be a resource. But the, the thing about it is I, we knew when we were planning it, it was five and a half years away. And that could be discouraging, except it's not. You were taking the worst time of your life when, I mean, basically, you've been through one thing and you've risen above it. And you've been through Mm -hmm. another thing and you've risen above it. And then you went through the third thing, which I think the third thing would be the poverty. You've got the pain. Honestly, there is so many more things. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. We talked about this before in our pregame, but you know, you, you hit a a bottom and you, you're like, that's okay. I'm going to get back up from this again. And then it continues to happen. And at the lowest point you're thinking, but wait, there's always Bali. And that launches this whole new idea. Yes. That yes. That fits the parameters of being a digital nomad and being able to travel and less is more and maintaining that small footprint. And so I had, I had a, a right around that, like when I was going through this, like just before I was like, I need to redesign my life and I need, and I knew that I, I knew the things that I loved. Like I knew I wanted to travel, that travel was important to me. And I knew that um, the environment was important to me. And I knew, um, I didn't know a whole lot more, but I knew that travel was definitely up there. And, and I didn't know how I was going to um, make it work. But it, it just all of a sudden kind of came together once I started, when I started to realize that there was this digital nomad community, like... It, it blew my mind that there was this, there were these, all these people trying to make a go of just traveling all the time and, and not having possessions and not, or at least not having a lot of possessions and, um, and just being, you know, very, you know, light on their feet. Isn't it? And, and light on the earth. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's, it's definitely, um, I'm still a work in progress. Um, I'm not quite there yet. I, my goal is to be able to get there um, either by the end of this year or, or early next year in order to, to do a little bit of longer term, maybe a couple of months, two, three months at a time. I really like, I like the idea of slow travel as well as slow fashion. Yeah. Um, I don't like the idea of taking planes here and there and everywhere. Um, 
but to be judicious about it. Uh, and just really experience a place. Like I find it doesn't suit my personality to run from place to place to place. And, and I just want to kind of get into it. My first experience was last year in Vietnam. I did two months in Vietnam and I loved it. I mean, it was so hard <laughs> the first two weeks, but the, or the first two months really. And the, but the last, the last month was just paradise. It's worth it though. Do you think? It is. It's really, it really hard, is. but it's really worth it. I, I just, you know, I found I had less anxiety there. I let things go a little easier, you know, because, um, I mean, there were just so many issues with language and everything that it's like, you know, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> so yeah. I found myself just really relaxing into it all. And um and just enjoying whatever I could enjoy. And, and there was a lot, there was a lot to enjoy. It was beautiful. What would you, what message would you give people? We're dealing, you're, I think a common thread and correct me if I'm wrong is like depression, suicidal thoughts, total immobility. Am I pretty spot on with that? I'm sorry. What was your question? Sorry. It's, it's like you were immobile and there was depression all the way to mm -hmm. feeling suicidal. Is that pretty accurate so far? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> there was an, it's been an up and down. So it, it, I always recovered and then it just got harder and harder to recover over time from mm -hmm. all of the, Things. So that's when depression started coming. And I don't think I was um, a depressed person until much later. And then it became harder. And, and you know, I was diagnosed with, and I think it's getting better. It, it definitely feels like it's getting better. Um, but initially, like three years ago, I was um, diagnosed with anhedonia, which is an inability to feel joy. And wow, you... Yeah. Yeah. And I had given so much, like I was always a very joyful, smiling, upbeat, positive, optimistic, resilient person, but I was tapped out. I was done and nothing was coming into, into my life to bring me joy. I couldn't afford much joy. <laughs> I couldn't, you know, it's just like, you know, poverty is brutal. And, yeah. and, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's very, it was very difficult. And, uh, but like I said, like I really, one of the things that I've really learned about myself is just, I'm amazingly strong. Like mm -hmm. I just amazingly strong. And, uh, and I do think that is within all of us. Like, you know, I'm lucky enough to know people who've been through shockingly enough, even worse than me and, um, and who are also doing great things and, 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 you know, pushing through valiantly with big hearts and so on. Like regardless of whether or not I can feel joy, I will not take the joy from somebody else. And I will try to still bring joy into others' lives, even if I don't, get any of it myself That's and crazy. and um i think 
you know, I do find myself as I get to do what I love and do fashion design and find that people are um, responding well to what I'm doing. It's very encouraging, that's for sure, you know, and it definitely, um, it, it just gives me, again, you know, hope that this is, um, I have a path. I have a pathway to a good life. And it may not be what other people call a good life because it's a much simpler life, but I think it is a perfect life and, and it's the life that I want. So that I, I, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I feel like this is right now, it's really starting to be like a pendulum swinging. And I, like, I'm shooting for the, like, way, way far, (laughs) you know, the moon. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so glad that you were on. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for taking the time to get naked with us. If you'd like to bear it all with me, get in touch. Your story is unique and valuable. Let's show it off.